Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show Crossroad Stories, and we are your hosts. I'm Demonic Freak. And I'm Rosemary. And this is the show where we talk about everything roleplay and weird. Join us in our odd shenanigans as we explore various topics and BRP, but mostly voice roleplay. Anyway, so, Miri, now for today's news. So we do actually have one social media specifically for the show now. We have a Twitter for Crossroad Stories. Thank goodness. <laughs> From there, it's just so that it's easier to interact with you guys as the both of us, and also you can it's easier to find us. Yep, and so that we're entirely one entity, so to speak. So there we go. And that is... Let's see, we'll actually plug in that uh, link for our Crossroad Stories Twitter in the description at, during when this episode goes up. So don't worry about that. <laughs> so if you're looking for that, it'll be in the description. So, yee. So for today's episode, we're doing something a little, you know, different. Normally, so far, we've been going along with this RP so far, but we're actually going to take a break from it today because what we're doing is every two episodes of that RP, we will actually do a short segment uh, discussing a topic that either we choose or possibly you guys throw at us. Kind of depends. For the most part, we'll try and have uh, something that we are wanting to talk about, but if not, we will open the floor for you guys to suggest a topic. And today's topic is what makes a story good? So... Yeah. <laughs> Just as a small side note to the one person that also follows my Instagram, don't worry, you will find out what happens to Rose next Sunday, I promise. <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> recently we've had one fan so far who's been very outspoken and has taken some great interest in the show so far. Thank so. you very much for your support, we do greatly appreciate it. Yep, so here's a shout out to you. I guess starting off this first part of the topic, let's talk about generally what we like as stories, like what catches our attention. I'm trying to think of all the stories that I do like, because it's kind of a mix of different genres. I'm not a huge fan of romance, I find, even though I do it a lot with my with a couple of my characters, but maybe that's just... I just don't like how it's presented in media. I, I'm not sure, but I like stories that grab my attention that actually that fully interest me like for example um now i will admit right away that generally when it comes to my expertise i do i do mostly prefer graphic novels um and some and mostly movies and cartoons but when it comes to books it has to be something that fully grabs my attention in terms of the story whether it's intense or like something that puts you on the edge of your seat or makes you keep turning the page, you look, you got to keep reading, you got to find out what happens next. Um, actually, one of my biggest examples of this when I when I was reading all the time was actually the 500 Kingdom series by Mercedes Lackey. I actually really enjoyed those books. Even still to this day, there's a lot of comedy, there's a lot of fantasy. Well, obviously, it's basically basically the, a different twist on favorite fairy tales. <laughs> uh, 
and one of my favorite manga series is actually King of Thorns. King of Thorns and The Dreaming. I absolutely adore those two series. You unfortunately can't easily find these books anymore as they are no longer in print. But uh, King of Thorns brings out a different version, different myth that we all know as Medusa or the Gorgon, where, where you turn to stone. And they turned it into an illness, and I absolutely loved it. By the way, the anime sucks. Don't watch it. It is absolute garbage. If you want the actual story, read the books. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Characters that are supposed to be alive in the books should not be dead in the movie. Sorry. <laughs> so in other words, you like stuff that have a lot of story, a lot of meaning to it. I do. I do a lot. And there's also the mystery behind some things, which is why I really like the dreaming a lot, because I basically spent the first two books reading every page wondering what the hell was happening. <laughs> but I was still super intrigued because there was a different story in the background that was just as tragic as the story that was in the present. So, like, for example, for me, um, first time I ever picked up a book, um, my... I lived with my grandfather and not my parents, uh, long story, not gonna get into it, anyway. <laughs> but um, my grandfather was an avid reader, so what I would do is I would actually uh, look at some of the books that he had in his library, and a lot of the times, or a lot of the cases, I would find a lot of Stephen King, Dean Koontz, um, let's see. I think there was several other authors, but I can't remember all of them, but I think the one who did the Alphabet Murder series, I can't remember who the author was for that one, but like A is for Alibi or, you know, some of these other ones. Um, God, I'm showing my age, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, I remember the first book that I picked up was Odd Thomas by Dean Koontz, and that one is such a really, really good book kind of vulgar in the beginning, but you know what? That was fine. <laughs> Something about Big Willie or the cook would sit his fat ass on Dean Coons. <laughs> or uh, on Thomas. It was great. <laughs> it was funny. Anyway. <laughs> so that was the first story that I read, and it was definitely about ghosts and had that whole theme of um, murder mystery, so to speak. So that kind of caught my eye. So from there, I actually started reading Morpheus Road or the Morpheus Road series. And oh my God, I love, love the first book. I haven't actually read the second and the third book yet though, but I'm so stuck on that first book. It was just so beautiful. And actually, if you get a chance to read it, read it. <laughs> I think it's uh, Derek Landy, I think is, or DJ McHale. Yeah, I think it was DJ McHale. Um, Morpheus Road, The Light, read it. It's amazing. <laughs> but what caught my attention with that was the supernatural kind of aspect towards it because the boy who's in high school has his best friend and his best friend goes missing. So he has to team up with his best friend's sister, who he also has a crush on, to figure out what happened to his best friend. But then along the way, come to find out there's this strange ghost who is following him, who takes the form of this character or the main protagonist, one of his drawings, because he's a comic book artist or he wants to be a comic book artist. 
and takes the form of this uh, creature called Gravedigger. So it's very interesting and very cool. Another one that I used to watch was, uh, or, you know, read was Skullduggery Pleasant. Most of the, like, for me, I always read books. I didn't actually get into manga until I was in my um, middle school years. <laughs> and even I mean, still then. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of the same way. <laughs> like, exactly. one of my old childhood favorites was the boxcar children that sounds so weird to me to see this see no i didn't get into that <laughs> for me it was a uh, nancy drew when i was a very young young kid like 10 years old <laughs> but i guess uh, some of my favorite mangas nowadays is um ancient magnus bride that one is a really good one and um i too also started off with the dreaming uh aside from the dreaming i also read um attack on titan that one i mean it's good but it's like um it's how do i explain this it's good but it's like it's kind of gotten old now you know it's kind of run its turn almost but like some of the old classics that you know you can't get rid of and you know, and just in general, some of the other stories, well, technically not an actual, it's still a story, but uh, one of the classic ones that I remember is Spirited Away, but that wasn't a manga, it was actually a movie, and but still it was such a good story behind it, you know? But I guess for me in general, what catches my eye is always supernatural. Supernatural, mystery, horror, if you can add it in but also fantasy and maybe just a sprinkle of romance in there. But for the most part, that's kind of what, you know, catches me and keeps me reading. <laughs> okay, so I guess let's, aside from what we like, now mind you this, these are our personal tastes and it, you know, kind of varies from person to person. You may like the same things or you may dislike the things that we had listed. Or listed. So, you know, and also mind you this, this is a little bit of a, disclaimer but we are not professional writers or storytellers trust me we are just two nerds who really love the shit so <laughs> so yeah take what we say with a grain of salt please do not use like our tips for for english projects or anything like that we for trust us trust me we are we we just we just want to talk about this because this is kind of how we see our, how we use our creative process for all of our works and all of our creations, so to speak. Exactly. We're going to give you a bit of a rundown of kind of our creative process as well. Um, but first, let's talk about what we think makes a story good. Let's start with the plot. So, for plots, I'd have to say you have to really kind of consider your options and consider what you want to write about. Like, first figure out your genre. Like, is it horror? Is it fantasy? Is it, uh, dare I say, drama? <laughs> Sorry. We don't shit on, uh, you know, different genres, but I'm not particularly a drama fan. Let's just say that. Or comedy. I'm not either of those two. I mean, it's... To each their own. I it depends for me. Like obviously now that I'm an adult, I don't have any interest in teenage drama, especially anymore, because I am not part of that age group anymore. And obviously, interests change with age. 
Because me, I'm still scared stiff of horror, but I've been delving more into horror lately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might I recall when we saw that one movie, Annihilation, in theaters? <laughs> the dreaded bear. Oh my god, I, I do have a fear of bears. <laughs> so I guess for plots, what you need to figure out specifically for that is... First of all, what genre is it going to be, or does it touch on multiple genre or genres? And then next, kind of lay out kind of like a skeleton, even using like a notebook, paper, or anything like that, and try and figure out, okay, writing down your key points. What are some of the things that you want to touch on? You know, or what are some of the things that you want to actually do in the story? Just a small side note over here. When we say genre, it doesn't mean you have to stick to one genre or even stick to three genres. It can be anything you want. That's the that's the fun part about creating a story. It just, you know, you just need to, to have a story that makes sense, you know? Exactly. Don't limit yourself to one thing, but also don't tie yourself down to, like, three things either. That's the beauty of a story is it's liquid. It moves. It can do and touch on everything. When we say that uh, that a story puts us on the edge of our seat is it's a story that's got us pumping. Like there's stuff going on that we're trying to figure out what's happening, you know? Like if it's a mystery novel, we're already, the gears are already turning in our heads. We're kind of wondering, ooh, what's going on? Like, who is it? What did they do? You know, where is this gonna lead? You don't know what's around that corner. So you're constantly on the edge of your seat wondering what is there? And that's definitely what makes the story good, at least for me. <laughs> and my grandpa calls that a page turner, literally. Because you can't just stop and put it down. You keep turning the page over and over and over again because you want to see what happens next. I like to call them all-nighters too, because sometimes you you read and read and read, even in, even in your bed, and then you lose track of time. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to be asleep right now. Oh my god, I did that when I read Dean Koontz. Uh, I think it was Breathless. Um, oh my god. I'm not gonna say anything about it, you just gotta read it. It's phenomenal. Keep in mind, uh, when you are writing a story, it will reach an audience, yes, it will probably not reach everybody, as as one thing that excites other people may not excite others. So, I guess, once you have the plot kind of figured out, then what you want to worry about is your settings, or you know, the setting for the story, like in the beginning, and then certain different parts of the story itself, like environment, atmosphere. It's kind of more or less like, um, as we put it here in our notes, the salt and pepper to your characters. It literally sets the scene for these characters. Basically just setting the scene, kind of like how you're watching a play in, in a theater. Yeah. You have the background, you have all the different props as to what's there, but it doesn't clash fully where you where it's like completely taking over the actual story itself. So another thing you have to worry about with setting is that it's supposed to be a um, how to explain it? it's supposed to be a condiment onto what your story you're trying to tell. Don't spend too much time on it, otherwise it becomes completely absorbed in just that. And you will lose, you know, your audience a little bit when you're just talking about that one thing. Basically, you want to describe it in as, um, 
You don't want to use too many words for it, but you want to try and describe it as best as you can in as few words as you can. But be colorful with your language. Like, even if you have to look up, like, say, for example, like, don't say it was dark, you know. You say something to the effect like it was dusk, it was shadowed, you know. You want to pepper in some of these, you know, very interesting words that makes the story pop a little bit more, you know. You know, light is fading from existence, you know, you gotta spice it up a little bit. Exactly. Add some spice. Touching base a little bit, um, from, you know, going on to mood a little bit. Mood is actually a very good way to describe the story itself. Not only that, but it makes you actually, or makes your audience, and as well as yourself, actually feel what is going on in the story. Like, spe specifically, <laughs> like, that is supposed to be literally the unspoken emotion that the, you don't even have to really say it, you just describe it, and your audience feels that mood that you are describing. You don't even have to say, like, oh, it's a sad, it's supposed to be sad. No, 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 no. In that case, like, say, for example, um, two characters are having an argument or whatever like that and maybe it, the day didn't go as well as planned and turns up the one who was trying to get with the other one is just like well it's not working out so then they wind up splitting and then maybe it was raining or downpouring the whole time or maybe it just started raining when the protagonist is you know left there on the doorstep you know that's mood it creates an atmosphere kind of around the character that makes you feel for that character. And it just accentuates the entire story even further. Kind of nailed it on the- you kind of nailed it on the head there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say that I use that way too much with my own writing. <laughs> yeah. As you've read. <laughs> sure have. Uh, let's see. Characters! Ooh! <laughs> Here we go! <laughs> So, um, there's actually something that we're going to touch base on with characters. When you are writing a story, you have to figure out the difference between good character building and bad character building. And boy, do we have some bias on this. <laughs> I mean, everyone, of course, everyone has probably had familiarity with Mary Sue's. You know, the all-perfect character with no flaws at all. Has a butt-ton of money. And literally ha takes no damage. adores them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole Mary Sue thing. Try and keep away from that sort of thing. What we mean by good character building is you gotta have a less than... Or... Like a less than moderate character. What we mean by that is nowhere near perfect. This character, like... The more broken they are, the more relatable they are, if that makes any sense. At least that, that's kind of what we find. It's also extremely important to note that if your character has already reached... I'm trying to think of a way. Because the idea of the character... I'm trying to think here. The point of it, the character is to have them where they kind of start off. And your end goal is to be that perfect kind of self almost like where you want them to actually be 
Because in every story, the character experiences some kind of growth, whether it's good or bad. Like, for example, that's why the main character of a, of a story is called a protagonist. They, they're not they don't, it doesn't specifically have to be like they're a good person or anything. In fact, I've seen some stories where the main character is, com is complete and utter trash, like they're a complete asshole. That doesn't mean that they can't grow and change from it. Or, depending on how the story goes, it could either lead them up a better path, or you could watch as the character declines almost through a, through a different mood and setting. It's all about what story you're telling, to be honest. But without that, the story is bland and uninteresting. Because there's nothing happening. So you kind of need that. Okay, so I know Miri's gonna have a heyday for this one, but like, let's take, uh, for example, one of my characters. In the RP, his name is Clyde. So, <laughs> I know Miri's gonna probably be going like, yeah. Because <laughs> let's just say that little Miri over here loves Clyde. But that's also because of how I wrote him. So, for example, Clyde. He's, uh, how do I explain this? So, he's kind of uh, like uh, the way how I describe him to be in this series so far is kind of a it's the same as how i described to him in my art and if you notice that you'll pro again my art is on my twitter or my patron if you guys want to take a look but that's beside the point but the way how i have him set is he's kind of stuck in his ways back from when he first started off and mind you this he's old like he's about like 300 years old or so and the reason for that is because, well, something happened to him a long time ago. I'm not going to get into his whole backstory. But, for example, uh, he is a very, very broken man. And I'm kind of um, explaining a little bit about him from our canon story, False Lies. First time actually talking about that here on the show. And <laughs> there's a reason for it. <laughs> We're not going to actually get into that here on the show if you... Because that's kind of one of our major stories that we're trying to tell. <laughs> it's a major story. We want we don't want to spoil anything, but this is the only way we can really clear that what you're seeing with the Warren's Cage is an alternate universe. We love playing with alternate universes. Exactly. Like what would happen if things were differently? I actually that's actually why I love a lot of alternate universe type stories that are written about about popular stories because it's a different take on a character i find it very interesting too exactly and spe er, specifically with this character himself is he's a complicated and screwed up character and there's a reason for that so um i'm not gonna get too much into detail but because he lost someone a long time ago and he literally was there she was in his arms when she died and he's had to carry that kind of guilt with him for the rest of his life. And mind you this, because of what he is, um, and I'm not going to get in, again too into that, because this would be a whole nother segment on itself if I were just to talk about Clyde specifically. <laughs> but because of what he is, he lives a very long, unnatural life. Essentially, he's got the curse of immortality to some degree. But that doesn't mean, as I keep saying this, immortality is different than invulnerability. There's two different things there. So, 
just because he's immortal doesn't mean that he can't die, if that makes any sense. So what I'm meaning towards with this is that he first starts off in the story as a broken, fucked up character. I mean, he has PTSD, he has a drinking problem, he's an asshole to the 10th degree. And he's kind of full of himself. He thinks himself as a huge ladies' man, and he kind of is, to some degree. And he, you know, <laughs> kind of sleeps around. <laughs> so he's not a very fateful partner either. But yet he hasn't actually been... Uh, he hasn't actually done anything, if that makes any sense. He flirts with everyone. So he's kind of like the flirty virgin, if that makes any sense. <laughs> So, but you wouldn't think he's a virgin just by looking at him. <laughs> but basically, he's just the definition of depravity. But somehow, he winds up getting mixed up with this little 22-year-old 20, uh, girl who winds up bringing out something out of him, his, what's left of his humanity. And that steady incline from becoming something that is completely broken and so many sins i mean all of the stuff that he's done he tattoos on his arm and he goes from that to slowly becoming something of a good guy somebody who's a literal gem who will be there for his girlfriend whenever she calls his name and literally he winds up saving her life several times in that story and Eventually, he becomes from the most hated to the most loved. I mean, heck, a lot of people from uh, in our server, they hate him, but they love him. <laughs> like, his nickname right now is the Fat Bastard. <laughs> Which he is. Yeah. But yeah, They'll that probably... is a good example of good character building, so to speak. At least, kind of, well, I mean, granted, my characters are not, you know, frickin' perfect. But I like what I got going for Clyde. At least I really like what I have for him. Because he is such, he's so different. Like, much different than what I normally do. At least. What do you think, Mary? Am I correct in assuming that? I think you are. <laughs> but before we get too off track, we need to talk about... Bad character oh, building. Lord. Here we go. Okay, so we go from good character building versus bad character building. Okay. So, what makes bad character building, in your opinion, bud? Honestly, now here's the thing. Like, now one of the biggest things is obviously there's no growth at all. Like, the characters don't change, which makes the story very dull, very boring. But the other thing that, that puts me off as well, too, is if there are obviously very harmful stereotypes that have nothing to do with the story. Oh my god. In the character itself. Yeah. Cuz I mean it's well, like What I mean by what I mean what I mean by that is nothing bad or anything, but if if you're using it just if you're using a stereotype because you personally you personally don't like the people that the stereotype is addressing, maybe you shouldn't be writing stories. I don't know, maybe that's just me. <laughs> to be honest, I kind of have the same thing. It's like, if you're just having it just to have it, that's not a good trait. Mm, you know? 
But obviously with bad character development, there's also characters, of course, that, you know, turn, that I turn my nose at, even though they're a character that's supposed to be likable, that they're supposed to be likable. You're supposed to like these characters. I'm trying to think of a good example of this, and I'm sure everyone's going to raise their pitchforks at me, because, but when I used to watch Steven Universe, one of my least favorite characters was actually Lapis. <laughs> I don't know, there was something about her personality that just pushed me away from her. I just didn't like her. <laughs> to be fucking frank, I don't watch Steven Universe, so... <laughs> And it's hard to explain, like, I don't know if it was because she was just pushing everyone away, or... Or her... Uh, what? It's hard to explain, because obviously, of course, she has every right to hate to hate the diamonds. Like, obviously, there's that, but... I don't know, it's like there was something about her throughout, throughout the original series that I just didn't like that threw me off, and... This can be with any character, really, because like I said, most of this is just personal preference. Obviously, what I mentioned is a character that is liked by a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Then I- oh god, people are gonna shoot me for this. To be honest, I'm not entirely- I don't sit well with the whole Edward <laughs> from Twilight. <laughs> people are gonna shoot me for that one. <laughs> to be fair though, there's also an equal amount of people that have criticized Twilight because of it, including the vo including the actual actors of the movies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, when I was watching the movie and when I was reading the book, I mean, the book was okay when I was no. reading it, but I was also no, in middle school. Wasn't. I was in middle school. I was in middle school, okay? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't the best. It was not the best. Actually, if you want a better um, romance story, than that, um, I would actually suggest, uh, what is it, Dark Angel, I think, or The Dark Angel. I don't know, I can't remember. He's like a, kind of like a vampire, but he has six black wings that fly in a torrent. It's interesting. It's a different take. It's completely avant-garde. It's different. Also, your thing is still echoing again. Oh my god. Like, that one is a good example, is that one. But I don't know, it's just, especially like nowadays when, you know, you really go back and you look at like some of the things you used to watch, like in quotations, Twilight. <laughs> I don't know, I just, uh, I guess the main point in fact for that is it's, he doesn't really show much emotion. I don't know if that's just due to the fact that he was written that way or what, but it's uh, hard to explain. I will say this, you can make an emotionless character good, it's just a matter yep. of their personality. And I quote into my and husband's also, character. <laughs> and there's also the role that they play as well, like why are they like this? If there's no explanation and they're just some emo teenager, may, most a lot of people might be turned off from that, who knows? Exactly. There has to be, like, how to explain that? If you have a trait of a character, that you just want in there like say for example if you have a trait of a character that you just put in there without explaining that's bad character development unfortunately that's because you kind of need to explain like okay so like you can't have a character that for example what miri was suggesting is you can't have a character that's emotionless without actually explaining why are they like that like you have to have the why 
and I, I guess my my fiance's character is um, a good example of that. Um, I'm not going to get into too much into detail because um, that book will be finished this year, so that's why I'm not going to say much about it. But um, <laughs> you'll see what I mean, and I'm going to plug this in. Um, if <laughs> that book winds up coming out this year, uh, read Shadow of Me. It's that's the book that I've been writing for 12 years. Anyway, <laughs> so the character in that, I'm not going to say who, you'll know when you read it, but there's a reason why he's like that, and the reason being is when you first meet him, he's cold, he's unforgiving, he is very uh, emotionless, but the reason for that is because he's not human himself, and he has had, regardless of being around humans a lot, he doesn't actually be around them. He's the guardian, so to speak, and kind of keeps balance. But the problem is, is that he doesn't spend time with them enough. So therefore he's lost that emotional connection a long, long time ago. And it also shows his disdain or his distaste for humanity. He doesn't like them. That also shows, and that will, or that's also explained in the story. And that's kind of what we mean is if you have an emotions character without actually explaining it, then you're just using a trope by that point. <laughs> Which to say that tropes aren't necessarily bad, it's just make it interesting. Exactly, and explain your reasons as to why. Don't use harmful stereotypes again. Exactly, because you don't want to offend people either, otherwise you're just turning off everybody from your story. I mean, if that's number one thing that is one of my major pet peeves in a story is fucking stereotypes. Honestly, we haven't really touched base on a lot of it, but again, bad character building could even be something as simple as a Mary Stew or a Gary Stew, the perfect per the perfect character who doesn't need any growth because they've already reached that perfection. Exactly. No, the whole point of the story is that tale that is told, that journey that that character has from point A to point B. That is what makes the character and changes it. <laughs> Bork. <laughs> well, we have- <laughs> he's back again. <laughs> that bork of defiance. <laughs> I can't really think of anything else, but I hope that in a couple of years, when we've gotten more experience, we can actually explain a lot more of this, actually, when, when we start getting more in- dipping our toes into the more professional side of things. Yes. Um, let's see, the ending of a story now. <laughs> The ending. Oh, God. Okay, so this is literally the climax that your story has been building up to the entire time. So it's got to be good, you know. And to point this out, too, um, and it's also not even just the ending itself, but it's like, this is where I want to touch base on conflict and rising action and falling action, which I'm sure everyone has heard this in English class or even just writing in general in any language arts. Because the reason why I say conflict is important, oh my god, dog, why? So, as as it is, there's this big conflict, that's your, that's your story, that's your conflict right there. That's the goal of the story. So, with the rising action, there's that build-up, and then of course the climax, that big, that big boom, reveal, or whatever you have planned. And then the ending is a nice falling action that 
could be small, could be, I want to say gradual, could be, could be a sheer drop, who knows. But the ending has to have an impact as well. I guess also I'm going to add on to what Miri said as well, is when you are doing like from the beginning to the end and you have your rising action and falling action, you want to pepper in events that happens or certain key points in the actual story where you have some conflict that happens leading up to that end. So like first starts off pretty small and then gradually with each part it gets worse and worse and worse until finally it comes to a head. Work. Bork, there's a barking fight going on. Oh my god. Or no noise. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of like the main part of the story is that you kind of have to have that conflict. There's no conflict. There's going to be no character building. There's no interest or and there's no rising action and falling action. I mean, how can you have a good story if it's just completely flat? It's almost as if there was no story at all. Yeah. Pretty much. And I think that's where we goes into the next part of what we dislike with or what are some of the issues that we have with stories. I think one of the number one things that we were um, saying before was uh, coffee shop stories. Ah, you know, uh, yes. Coffee shop AUs. The story where nothing happens. You, you meet up for coffee, you chat, and you leave. Bye. That, yeah. <laughs> Literally, it's like it completely flat. There's like nothing that happens with that. It's like, um, what did I just read? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's also why I'm not drawn to the whole slice of life thing because it can feel pretty boring to me, to be honest. It's hard to make a good slice of life thing. And I commend those who actually do make a good slice of life kind of story. Honestly, I think one of my personal pet peeves. Now this, now this can be up for speculation as well. I have a lot of pet peeves, but it's hard to explain what my pet peeves are. I mean, you kind of hit the one nail in the coffin. Like, if there's no story at all, then yeah, it's it's a boring piece of trash. I don't want to read that. But also, if it strays, a, like if you're writing a series, as an example, if it strays away from the original story in a way, I don't know what. How to explain it, but I remember reading the Aragon series as an example. First book, amazing. 10 out of 10, would read again. If you've never read Aragon, go read it. It's an amazing book. But this is where things get a little salty, however, because when I read Eldest, when it was talking about, like, I think it was like the main character's cousin, and it was kind of going back and forth between the two characters with all this, with all this conflict going on, it was almost like there was too much conflict, or it was so scrambled. I had no idea what was going on, and it took a long time to finish reading that book. And then I re and then I tried reading the third book, and I just couldn't even get past the first few pages. I just threw the book away. <laughs> yeah, there's like books like those that are pain in the ass. Is here's the thing: you need conflict in a story. That is important, but you also need flow in the story. Otherwise, it's going to be a jumbled mess. Exactly. You need to have a good pinpoint and kind of see into the future a little bit as to what you want to do with the story. And is it going to be a one-off shot? Because there's possibilities where, yeah, there's been a lot of books where it's literally just one book in itself, and then there's also been series. Which can either be a uh, two book or poss or two books or possibly even a trio quartet and so on and so forth. 
And just to kind of talk here a little bit, um, it's also why the first draft and editing is super important because you need multiple drafts. That's just how it is. Because you want to be able to edit your work, make sure that you pop, make sure that, because obviously what you pour out in the first draft is all the love you put into it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a gem in the rough. And then when, and then the editing and stuff afterwards is, is polishing it until it's perfection, right? Exactly. Like, uh, for example, for me, the first five years of the story that I've been writing, which is Shadow of Me, I absolutely hated it afterwards. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't that great, you know, I wanted more, I wanted to do better, so to speak, so scrapped the entire thing, went back to, you know, square one, and since then I've been writing the second draft of the whole story, and oh boy, it's taken me so long, and finally for it to actually be so close to actually being finished now is amazing, and it's only the first book in a series of three, so... <laughs> Build your skeletons, man. That's sim that's what's important, and then make and then make the rest of it. <laughs> exactly. But technically, the first one is going to be the most hardest. The other two are not going to be as hard, you know. Yeah. But either way, I guess uh, anything else we don't really have any issues with. At least nothing that I can really think of. I would think that that would actually conclude this segment so mary final thoughts honestly just be creative about it but don't be afraid to look at failure and mistakes obviously when it comes to stories because we if we all love stories just as much as we do then honestly and sometimes you know what if you don't and with good stories and stuff too i'm sure maybe you can look at this in a fun way maybe you can maybe you agree with us maybe you disagree with us because it's also, because these opinions here also can pinpoint what's your interests in a story. Like, you don't even have to write or draw or anything necessarily either. You can find joy in and have a specific taste in your own, in your own love for stories and books or movies or games or whatever floats your boat. Yeah, and then on top of that, it's like, you know, I guess for story-wise, I guess from me... I'd have to say that this is kind of like the same process that I do whenever I'm writing a story. Although granted, it takes me for fucking ever to make a story. <laughs> but you can also do the same thing for when you're creating lore or short stories or even comics for that example. Now's the time to plug in our socials. So you can find me on Twitter, YouTube, and Patreon as either... Arya Jaeger or Demonic Freak. And you can find me on Patreon, Ko-Fi, Twitter, and Instagram, usually as Rosemary underscore art, but you can find me in a couple places like Ko-Fi as just Rosemary. And don't forget our new Crossroads Story Twitter account as well. Exactly, which will be Alan. in the description of this episode, so check that out. And I guess that ends today's segment. So that's all we have for you guys today. We hope you enjoyed this episode and hope to see you all next time. And remember, guys, a story is a winding road with many turns. You never know what the road will bring next. <laughs>